What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. Do we want to compare bylines? How many? Harry Horn. We're supposed to keep this thing moving, be fresh. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about Mavericks. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. It is not a college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Who, who put that in the open? It sounded like the words were edited in. I don't know. I just hit the buttons. Who, who are you? That's <laughs> that's that's a, that's producer Tommy, and uh, I apologize for this. This is a Maverick podcast, but I still with the great Chuck Cooperstein, the radio voice. Of you the, can talk about anything with Chuck. Well, you know, we can we can talk Mavericks, of course. We could talk colleges with Chuck. We could. Um, we could talk Philadelphia with Chuck. We could talk we why could your talk phone is phone ringing right here. But but I I do want to talk with Chuck before we get to the Mavericks. I just want to ask: You spent 16 years in Philadelphia doing a to- sports talk show, didn't you? It was 16 months that at times felt like 16 years. What, what's with, what's with Phil- Philadelphia fans, uh, Philadelphia Eagle fans? Uh, they have to act like children all the time. Well, I mean, pretty much everybody acts like children when they win. Now, I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, look what happened here infamously in 1992 after the uh, Cowboys won for the first time and the parade and all that nonsense that happened. So stupid stuff happens everywhere. Uh, but uh, they, they have uh, they've made it kind of an art form uh, of being of being nasty and crazy and whatnot. But it is rooted in their fatalism. Basically, they just expect their teams to mess up. And when they when they don't mess up, they're just so incredibly shocked that they don't know what to do, and they just go all out nuts. And obviously, that's what happened last uh, Sunday night when uh, when the Eagles won. Chuck, I have a question. Let's move on to why you're here. The Mavericks, the trade deadlines this week. I'm going to ask the question: The great Vincent Gambini was it Gambini in 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 the movie? Uh, in my favorite movie, my cousin Vinny. He asked when he he asks the uh, the witness. He goes, "What do you got? What do you got on the what Mavericks? I got? Yeah, I don't I, I don't have a lot. Uh, and I, frankly, I'll be surprised if they do anything because I, I just think the market is so uh, crowded right now with everybody looking to do the same thing that uh, that that certainly nothing of great consequence will happen. And if anything happens, really, it'll be just kind of a, a minor move. I mean, look, the, the Mavericks have a ton of cap room. They're going to have about uh, they're twenty million under the cap right now. They're going to be about thirty million under the cap when they get to the summertime. I think the action is going to take place in the summertime. I, I think once the the lottery is established uh, in the middle of May, uh, and then you you know you go through the draft workouts and whatnot, you you really get to the middle of June, the two weeks before the draft. And I think that's when things are really going to happen. And at that point, I do think it, that that is going to be the precursor to what we always seem to find on uh, on July first, the beginning of free agency. But I just don't see a lot going on. I mean, there's you no know, uh, the, the the Detroit Clippers deal was really uh, was shocking 
Uh, it certainly has uh, given an immediate shot in the arm to the Pistons, for sure. Yeah. And the Clippers, uh, shockingly enough, really, over the last six or seven weeks, I mean, they've got the second-best record in the NBA. Only the, only the Warriors have a better record than they do. Uh, and obviously they found a way to win last night against the Mavericks that they had no business winning. But, hey, you know, you, you do it when you can do it. So, uh, But I, I just don't see it happening. I think the Mavericks are, are pretty much in play. They're, they're certainly not looking to improve their team very much. Uh, they're playing their young guys and playing them in abnormal situations, as we saw last night, and we'll just you know let it roll and see what happens and how many wins come about as a result of it. Do you agree it would be silly to win too many games uh, the rest of the season? I mean, I hate the concept of tanking. Just the, the idea of not trying to win and asking the players to not win. And I, I, I don't think people uh, tell players to not try their best, but I do, I do hate it when you play, you know, kind of the, at the end of your bench, uh, you know, at the end of games, theoretically, to, uh, you know, to try to give them experience. But, you know, look, in the Mavericks situation last night, uh, you know, Dennis Smith's out there. He needs to be in those situations at the end of the game. You know, Yogi Ferrell's a young guy who may very well be in situations like that in, in the end of games going forward. Uh, in his career that has been very promising over, you know, the last year since he came to the Mavericks. Uh, you know, guys like having, um, you know, Kleba and Mesri, I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessary, frankly, given how Dwight Powell has played and, uh, and has been playing since moving in the starting lineup. Why wasn't he in there at the end of the game? I mean, I, I don't like things like that, but uh, I, I just hate the idea of losing for losing sake, you know, thinking that one high draft choice, even if it's an overall number one, is going to solve your problems because that it doesn't work that way in the NBA. Evan's looking at me. I'm looking at Evan. But I, 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 here's my question about the Mavericks all season. Is Dennis Smith that good, or is it just that we haven't had a, the Mavericks haven't had a player like him in forever and, and we're just over overwhelmed or we're just infatuated with him because of his uh, you know athletic ability and – do you understand my question, Chuck? Yes, I do. Okay. I, I do. Um, I, I do think there is a sense of infatuation about him, and and I do think there is some justification to it uh, because that's the way the game is played in the NBA right now, and and he does a lot of those things that uh, that great teams uh, have, and so yeah, I mean, you want to see that, but at the same time, no, we're watching the sausage being made right now. Okay, you know, we we've seen the good. The, the triple-double in New Orleans. And last night against the Clippers, we saw the awful. And, and frankly, in the last eight games, with him shooting 33% and 25% from three and you know taking about 15 shots a game, I mean, sometimes that's really hard to watch. But, uh, but he's got to go through it all. And so it, it's not going to be great every night. But the tools are certainly there. I think Rick has done a, a, just a fantastic job with him. Uh, bringing him along, you know, ramping up his minutes as the year has gone on, not necessarily giving him 35 minutes a game right away, uh, teaching him how to play off the ball, uh, not just having the ball in his hands all the time. And he, and, he, and he still has the ball in his hands more than pretty much anybody on the team. Uh, he, he's teaching him the game. He's teaching him the NBA game. He's teaching him that no longer can he do this simply with his athleticism right. because even as athletic as he is, there are plenty of other great athletes in the NBA that can take away what he likes to do. 
So he has to learn how to play, and I think Rick's just done a wonderful job with him. He's just in a lull right now, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him you know, bounce out of this at some point, maybe after the All-Star game, and, and finish the year really strongly. Now, you know How much that translates to wins and losses, I don't know, but I don't think that if he comes out on the other side of this a whole lot better and the Mavericks do win a few games, that Maverick fans all of a sudden should start getting upset, which invariably I know they will because they're all – uh, they're all pretty much uh, have it in their minds that uh, they're they're going for the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, I, where I'm concerned on Dennis Smith, shooting 38% from the field over the last 10 games doesn't concern me in the least because, as Chuck said, it is about learning the game right now. And a big portion of what he has to do is fail in some regards. He's got to learn what he can and, more importantly, what he can't do on the on the court, uh, and and he does have a good teacher in Rick Carlisle, and I do think that if you're if you're looking to develop a player and bring him along in a not slow way, the way that the, the Mavericks have handled him this year, giving him significant, substantial, but not significant necessarily, or overwhelming minutes from the start of the year, and building him up as the season goes along, uh, is is the way to go about things. And that's what this year is. And, I, you know, I, I, I deal with the same thing. I've, I've heard from a number of fans who say, oh, well, the Rangers should tank. Why? Because the Astros tanked and the Cubs tanked and they went through four or five awful years apiece and then they ended up with world championships. It's a different sport. There's, it, the there's still no guarantee. The, the dra- I, there's no guarantee, but it's a different kind of draft. The, the, it is a different kind of draft in, in that you basically get what amounts to one draft pick. And really, you look at the NBA and maybe – there's, it's a draft pick. It's a draft for maybe a dozen players over the course of the year. Maybe I don't know. Norm, uh, no. Rick Sun taught me that if the Mavericks had the fifth pick in the draft, it was a four-player draft. The Mavericks had the <laughs> sixth pick in the draft, it was a five-player draft. Remember that, Chuck? Remember the Rick Sun years? I do. I do, I do remember that. But uh, you know what? I, I, and I've never subscribed to that theory. I, I believe it's, it's your job, regardless of where you draft draft the best player you can and then develop that player and you know look at look at guys like donovan mitchell in utah this year he was drafted 13th and he he looks terrific and uh you look at kyle kuzma with lakers drafted 27th he looks terrific of course the mavericks had three chances to draft draymond green back in the in the 2012 draft i guess it was and uh they they passed on that and draymond green's become what draymond green's become yeah your odds are better the higher you pick, I get that, but I, you know, that doesn't interest me. Frankly, it doesn't interest me. What interests me is is winning as many games as you can, and then drafting the best player you can, and developing that player the best way you can. And, and I, the one thing I would add to that, Chuck, is this: that you know, if if you go, th- in my opinion, you go through some lean years like this, like the Mavericks are going through, and you draft players. High, but not necessarily the, one of the top three picks in the draft. And you let them play, and they develop. It's it's going to benefit them, and it's going to benefit you long term. Too many teams that end up with with first round picks because they've got playoff aspirations or whatever, they leave them sitting on the bench for long periods of time. It stunts their development. These kids that, that get out there and and play and play regularly, they're going to improve. Now, is Dennis Smith more talented than some other kids? Yes, he's more talented than some other kids. But getting them out there and playing is going to allow them to maximize their talent level, and that's what he's done in his rookie season. 
Jack, I want to get back yeah, to yeah. something you said earlier about getting the best player available. If Trey, it turns out, and you know where I'm going, if Trey, if Trey Young turns out to be the best player available when the Mavericks pick, is he your guy? I'm trading out of the pick. I'm trading out of it. I, I love Trey Young. Absolutely love the guy. But he is the last guy they need. He, but, look, they I, need some, Tell us who they, he is. They, tell us who he is, Chuck. I'm sorry. Who, Trey Young? Yeah, so... Who is he as far as he he plays he's a freshman guard oh, oh, oh the guard the guard okay just just the general okay he's the guard the guard at Oklahoma who's probably going to be named the wooden award winner and win every major national award this year okay. uh, for having the the type of year and putting up the type of numbers uh, basically that uh, were last seen by a uh, a small uh, Puerto Rican point guard named Jose Juan Barea when he was playing at Northeastern. <laughs> Oh. Back in the 2005 season, where he's averaging like 25 and 10, that's that's the last time we've seen something like that. But he's on a bigger stage the, than uh, he's on. Yes, he's, he's on a much bigger stage, and and you know, listen, he's finding out stuff now uh, that uh, I'm sure he didn't think he was going to be seeing at the beginning of the year. Uh, uh, but he, he's a fantastic shooter. I mean, my goodness, his range is ridiculous. It, it's Steph Curry as that's the. Uh, comparison that everybody's used, and and with good reason. And you know he and he handles the ball that way. And uh, you know he's at times a little bit loose with the ball, but he's got incredible vision. You know what he's got, guys? He's got Lonzo Ball like vision in the sense that he loves to get the ball up the floor in a hurry. His his pass ahead is incredible, but he's got the offensive game that Lonzo Ball can only dream about. But the problem is that he's probably only six two. He may be six two. At best, I'm curious to see what he will measure at uh, when he ultimately gets to the combine. But the Mavericks need size. They need they they just get dominated on the glass. Uh, they they don't match up well defensively with most teams because they're always playing down. And while at times that can help you offensively and you can sort of out quick people, you just don't stop people enough defensively. And you know the, the Mavericks are. Minus four and a half on average on the boards. They're a horrific offensive rebounding team, the worst offensive rebounding team in the league. And, uh, you know, not that they necessarily try to get offensive rebounds, but then again, they don't have a guy who can go get them. I mean, if they have a guy that could go get them, I think they might change some things. But, I mean, I, I, I just look at the bigs that are available here and, and specifically at, at DeAndre Ayton at Arizona and Muhammad Bamba at Texas, and they just get me very excited. Sure, and, but let me yeah, ask. I, I, let me ask you a direct question though. Here, do you believe that Trey Young will be the best NBA player out of this draft? No, you don't. Okay, I don't. Okay, no. That, I mean, I know, that... I know, look, I, I, know, I know the games are the games are uh, you know tilted toward the guards right now and and, and how they play, but um, I I just think I, I I still think there is a a place in this league for a great big. If somebody if somebody has the chance to take a great big, you know what? They're still going to take the great big every time because size matters. And and in the era of interchangeability, what the what talking about with the Warriors and whatnot, you know, everybody's trying to play like the Warriors, but nobody has the Warriors' talent. Okay, you know, and nobody and and the Warriors never play small because you've got a, a an off guard in Clay Thompson who's six seven who guards like a six three guy. You've got a Kevin Durant who's Listed at six nine, but he's probably closer to seven feet. Who plays like a small forward, kind of like how Dirk used to play back in the day. And so they have the requisite size 
to play the way that they do, and nobody else does. And so until you can, until you can get those players, still think you need to have players who can get yourself a rebound, uh, guys that you can uh, play pick and roll with, and yes, and, and the guy who can uh, you know, pop it from 15 to 18 feet and occasionally step back. And uh, I still think that player is important in the NBA, and there are a bunch of them in this year's draft. Chuck, this may come back to, to haunt me someday, but I'll say this. Bamba scares me to death. He's, he's just Bamba looks like B- Bamba is Rudy Gobert with offense. <laughs> okay, I, I... B- Bamba I, and I mean, if you've looked at Bamba over the last month, stop. Don't look at from thank from uh, Christmas back, but basically look since the beginning of conference play. Yeah. But o- even overall, if you look at his overall numbers, you know whose numbers they mirror. No, Anthony Davis. They, you look at Anthony Davis's numbers at Kentucky. <laughs> The year he was drafted number one, and obviously the year they won the national championship in 2012, and look at Mo Bamba's numbers, and they are remarkably similar. I will just say and he, this. And, 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 I, and I dare say that uh, Kentucky was playing, and Davis was playing with better guards than what Mo Bamba is playing with in Texas right now. My concern over any big guy, and, and this is spoken with the most amateurish of eyes, but my concern over any big man is that for too long, I think the NBA has always looked and said, okay, well, we can project that this will be a great big guy. And too often those guys are mediocre big guys. I, the truly great – I agree with you entirely, Chuck, that a great big guy is still an incredible asset in the NBA, and it is still often the kind of thing that can turn a team around. But how many great, truly great big men are there in the league? There aren't many. Yeah, there, there, there absolutely are not many at all. And I think um, if you're gonna, if you're going to invest what what may end up being a top three or top four pick in a big guy, you better be sure that you're, you know, you are getting you're getting a significant contributor long term. Chuck, have you been able I, I I dare say I dare say Evan, you you could say that when you're drafting in the top 4 and the Mavericks haven't drafted technically in the, in the top 5 of the draft since uh, 2005 or 2004 actually when Devin Harris came, but mm-hmm. as a result of the trade with Washington, you know otherwise, I mean you've got to go back to Jason Kidd to right. find the last time they drafted that high. Right. So I mean at that point, it's that's that's the case for any position. Sure. If you're drafting that high, you can't bust. You you cannot bust, and yet we we do see it all the time. I mean, and there's certainly no guarantees on any of this. But uh, I mean, I, I've watched eight and a bunch this year. I've watched Bamba a whole lot more here in the last month. Uh, you know, after I, I really had not seen him very much since Portland uh, and that tournament at Thanksgiving until really the last few weeks. I mean, when he dis- uh, when he know, disappeared I, against Duke. I mean, disappeared against Duke. Yeah, Absolutely, that was but a great uh, but well, but again, no, that's November, I and can. now we're in and now we're in uh, we're in early February, and he's clearly a better player now. I mean, there's no doubt he's a better player, but uh, you know, and you, you still have uh, Marvin Bagley, who is uh, who I I think is going to be a, a really really good player. I don't know if he's going to be a great player. Uh, he doesn't guard anybody, yeah. he, but he can definitely rebound. Um, and, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, Michael Porter from Missouri, who's the mystery, a mystery player because he hasn't played this year, right. but uh, everybody looks at him as the second coming of Kevin Durant. And then there's the kid overseas 
that uh, I'm sure you know everybody on one hand is looking at and saying, my God, he's 18 years old, and he's dominating the second-best league in the world, in the, in the Spanish league, and yet he's, he's got a higher floor than everybody else, but he may have a lower ceiling than everybody else in this draft. So, I mean, look, everybody comes with questions. There are no guarantees, and that goes back to what we're talking about at the very beginning. Just go and play. Just go and try and win. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And whatever happens in the lottery, happens. And you take the player and you move on. And I, I, the, the one thing I would, I would underscore there, and, and I agree with you on this, is you don't go out there and try and lose. Uh, it's not good for young players. It's not good in, in, in any stretch. If you're, if you're using young players like the Mavericks are using more and more this year, give them the opportunity to go out there and play and, and, and allow them the chance to try and win, but you don't go adding to that. You don't, you don't, you don't have to, if you're a great coach like the Mavericks have, a great coach of Rick Carlisle, he knows how to win. He knows, he knows how to lose as well. I don't think he should, but I, the point, uh, but he the can point make is, it look. He can make it look good too. The point is, you're not out going out there trying to lose. You're, no, no, you're giving your well, young he, players he, the he opportunity. Can make it look good. You're right, and he can make it look good. I mean, look, you know, if you look at the Mavericks' point differential, uh, you know, which a lot of the analysts want to use as as a harbinger of really how good your team is. I mean, the Mavericks are like I think a minus two point four for the season. And, I mean, they have 17 wins, and uh, under the, the formulas they use, and I don't really get into all of that very much, they should, they should have seven more wins than they have right now. Right. And so there, there, there's something to all of this here that, that's going on. Ah, I see what you're saying. Chuck, it's been great having you. We have a, a dynamite day on the Ballsy Podcast today. We talked to John Machota about his affinity for Philadelphia. You talked about your affinity for Philadelphia. Well, when we get Don Wakamatsu, the Rangers' new bench coach on, we'll ask him about his thoughts about Philadelphia. But, it, but, it, but it's been great having you. But I just want to make sure. Mavericks have the number one pick in the draft. Who are you taking? DeAndre Ayton. Okay. From Arizona, correct? From Arizona, yes. Okay. All right, Chuck, it's been great having you on. Appreciate you guys. Take care. All right. You know, I, I, I always, take care, Chuck. I always feel... Uh, intimidated when we have Chuck on or when I talk to Chuck because I think he knows so much more about everything than I do and he's not shy about telling you that. He does not have opinions. That's the problem. Yeah, but um, it's been a great podcast again, our Maverick podcast. We have, uh, Jose, did we have any questions in from uh, reader from listeners to the podcast that you want to talk about now? Not Maverick's questions. Just Rangers questions. Okay, so we're going to get to a Ranger podcast where we have the great Jerry Fraley, the great Evan Grant, and I, I'm just going to sit here and watch. And Don Wakamatsu is coming in. It's our spring training gala, our spring training. What's the right word, Evan? Help me. Roundtable. Roundtable. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.